there we go. Now we're wired. Be careful what you say, as I'm being careful what I say this morning. So, we've been doing a series of messages on fear, and you remember that we've talked about how often Scripture has told us, over 300 times, uh, 365 or 6 times uh, throughout Scripture, it tells us to fear not. Do not fear. Fear not, for I am with you, saith the Lord. Uh, and so, when we talked about that foundation of fear that we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, we began that idea of looking at the different items of fear that comes in, that comes into our lives uh, that we have a handle on. Uh, overcoming the fear of failure, for example. you know, And we're going to be talking a little bit about that. It's going to sound like a review of that a little bit as we get to the today's message. But fear of failure. Uh, there's the fear of rejection. There's the fear of not having enough. You know, if I got enough to pay the bills, uh, having enough. Overcoming the fear of losing control uh, is what we talked about last week. Uh, and uh, losing control, I'm not necessarily about talking about losing our temper. In fact, I don't think I even mentioned that last week. Uh, but that idea of not having control, not having everything in its place. I'm the captain of my destiny. Whoops. That's a worldly item. Uh, God is the captain of my destiny. If God is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, then it just makes sense that that he's in control. And if he's in control, then I can give myself to him fully uh, and the outcome will always be to my betterment. Today, we're going to be talking about the fear of commitment. Uh, and we've all got that problem a little bit one way or another. And there's several kinds of commitment that we're going to, that we're going to talk about. And Luke chapter nine is going to be the scripture, uh, lesson that we're going to look at. So why don't you turn in your Bibles or your devices or however you do that now. Uh, Luke chapter nine, we're going to read just a few verses today, uh, verses 50, uh, 7 through 62, 57 through 62, reading uh, in uh, the word. And it came to pass that as they went their way, a certain man said unto him, uh, Lord, I will follow thee wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, uh, foxes have holes, the birds have, uh, have the air of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. Jesus said that. But he said, Lord, and that's the person he was talking to, suffer me first to go and to bury my father. Verse 60, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and also another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Verse 62, and Jesus said unto him, no man, uh, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Fear of commitment. Sometimes 
that fear can overcome us in several ways. And uh, I'm looking at my notes and I've got uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now uh, and it isn't in my notes. So excuse me while I sort that out. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about this idea of fear of commitment. Uh, commitment itself reveals values. When we are committed to certain things, it kind of tells us the kind of person that we are and might even tell other people the kind of people we are. And we're talking about our commitment to our, to time, to money, to energy, to whatever. We say that I'm committed to my family, but I don't really spend any time with my family because I'm busy at work or I'm busy doing this. Uh, I can relate to that. To some degree, I was in the military for a good portion of uh, uh, my children's early years. Uh, and I was home very seldom. And when I was home, I was, uh, I say, passed out uh, sleeping. Uh, and so I missed a lot of what I'm so much enjoying in my grandchildren. That's what's wonderful about being a grandfather I'm no longer in the Marine Corps. Uh, not that I don't lament not being in the Marine Corps anymore, but uh, they won't let me in anymore. I'm that many years old. None of your business how old I am. Uh, but there it is. No, no time for family. Uh, no time for Jesus because I'm at work. I don't have time for Bible study. I don't have time to do Christian work, to, to reach out. I can't take a short-term a missionary project. I can't run down to Mexico and help build a little church for uh, for folks in Tijuana. I can't do any of those things because I'm too busy doing what? Whatever my profession is. And my profession, of course, is to make money. And the money, of course, feeds my children. And I'm able to buy a bigger house. And I'm able to et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think I need to belabor that thought because we've all been there. Uh, but what those commitments show is really what's important to me. What is important to me? But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. And then at the end of the verse, it says, You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is another word used for the world system. When we put God first, and we've talked about this before, we've talked about it when we were talking about prayer, we've talked about it throughout this situation, that we're supposed to put God first. When God, or when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love your mother, your father, your wife, your, more than you love me, then we got a problem. I'm first. I am first, saith the Lord. And when I am first, then all of those other things will work to your good uh, as we go through, as we go through our life. And so selection is really the name of the game, isn't it? We have to, we have to select what we can do. We need to focus our attention on what we can do. How many hours a day do you watch television? And I'm not there's nothing wrong with watching television, I guess, depending upon the program that you're watching uh, and the commercials. Commercials, ooh, some of those are 
rated the way they shouldn't be. Uh, during children's time, oh well, I'm, that's a soapbox I'll get on another day. But there you are. So selection is the name of the game. We choose what we can do. Do I really need to watch? And I'm a news junkie. I'll admit it. Uh, do I need to watch three straight hours of news, three straight programs, one after the other, and sit there and complain in the second one? I just saw this film clip in the first hour, and now I'm seeing in the second hour, and I'm actually seeing the same film clip in the third hour, and the reporter that says, breaking news is news that I already know, and I'm ready to say the words with her or with him, uh, because I've memorized the dialogue. Have you ever been there? Especially when we have like a disaster, when we're watching uh, things with a hurricane that just recently occurred and so on. But all of those things, could I not have skipped one of those hours of news and spent an hour here? Perhaps. Perhaps I could have done that. Selection is the name of the game. And we go back into to the idea of the idea of commitment what is the most important thing? Now, it also shapes our character. Our commitment does shape our character. Proverbs, oops, can't even say the word. Proverbs chapter 4 says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Think about that. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Of life. Now, what are the issues of life? You know, think about that. Think about what issues of life really means when we talk in terms of family and and our uh, responsibilities. That's what I was looking for uh, as a citizen, and et cetera, et cetera. Issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence. When you commit yourself, do uh, you follow through on that commitment? Is the commitment really a commitment? determines your destiny. Your commitment in life determines your destiny. Matthew chapter 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask who? Ask God. Ask God. Destiny. Destiny. In our Bible study this morning, we were uh, were going through the book of uh, Genesis and Exodus, and our speaker uh, said this. He said, "What?" Well, he asked the question, and then he answered it. Of course, he said, "What was the greatest loss in the Garden of Eden?" And I'll have to admit that as I thought about that the first time, I thought about all you know. Well, Adam Adam lost; well, they got kicked out of the garden. Man, what a deal. He's now homeless, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Now he's actually got to work for a living. Oh, that's it. things are getting worse. It's getting worse and worse. Okay, but that's not it at all. The greatest loss in the Garden of Eden, and therefore throughout all of physical life thus far, is the separation of God from man, is his presence. We lost the presence of God when Adam sinned. How do we know that? What did Adam do as soon as he'd sinned? He hid from God. 
He walked daily with God every day. He had an appointment with God every day. They walked down the trails and 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 named fruit and did all of the things that that Adam was was called to do. Uh, and he hid from God. I hid from you because I knew you'd be mad at me. Think of that in a physical sense. When your children do something really kind of you know off the wall bad, uh, the. They hide from you, not necessarily physically hide where you can't see them, but they separate themselves from you. They sit in the corner. That child is mute. If you, you all know Sasha, or most of you do. Sasha is my seven-year-old granddaughter. There's no such thing as mute with her. She was screaming from the day she came forth. She, the entire maternity ward knew that Sasha was here the day that Sasha became here. And it's been that way ever since. And then she got words. And it got worse. That's Sasha. Now if Sasha is in a corner somewhere. Just sitting there. Not reading a book. Because she's, she's really a good student. So uh, we don't want to do that to her. But when she's just sitting in a corner somewhere. Kind of sulking. There's something going on. She's hiding. She said, what's wrong, Sasha? And then we usually find out that, well, I broke this, or and so on. We know those things. We know know those things occur. Uh, It's important that we have those commitments to our family, to our lives, in order that we might uh, live fulfilling lives. That's what the scripture tells us. That's what the scripture says. We have, oh, you'll love this. Uh, the life expectancy for insurance companies now is somewhere around 80 years. Uh, of course, some of us in this room uh, are, oop, we don't want to talk about it. Okay, I'm approaching it, okay? There's 29,200 days in 80 years. I did the math. I have a computer and I put the numbers in. I forgot Oops, I forgot leap years. Excuse me. So we got to add 20 to that. 29,220 days to live. If you stick in the 20 leap years, it would have occurred over the 80 years. What do you do with the days? Well, one of these days, when I retire, I'll do such and such. I'm retired. My days are full. I pick up my granddaughters at school and that takes a couple of hours. Have you ever been in a line to pick up kids at school? I know you have. Construction, if there's anybody that's evil in this world, it's the construction companies that put together these access and regresses from schools when 500 mothers or fathers or grandfathers show up all at the same time. To pick up their children. It's just. It's maddening. It's terrible. Oh but I digress. But you get the idea. I My day is full. Every day. Not just the work that I do for the church. But the other things that, that are occurring. Uh, in my day. In my wife's day. Uh, I don't have any more free time. Quote unquote. Uh, than I had when I was teaching school. Uh a lot more free time than when I was uh, United States Marine, but that's 
a different thing, and I'm not doing war stories today. 29,220 days. Uh, what are you doing in those days? And what are you doing those days that come to the point that talk about uh, lasting things? Lasting things. And we're talking about eternal lasting things. And let's go back to that little tidbit I gave you about the Garden of Eden. The loss of the presence of God. And we discussed that if that is true at the beginning, physical beginning, it's also true at the end. If you want a good description of hell, uh, of what happens if you go into eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then what have you done? You have separated yourself, as Adam did in the garden. You have separated yourself from God. The presence of God is not there. That's eternal darkness. That's the problem. It's separation from God. Now, what can I do uh, in order to maintain my relationship with God? Now, I'm talking about earning my way to heaven because I've done that already if Ooh, careful how I say that, because I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he is. But he has called upon me, if I'm going to be the faithful servant that he's asked me to become, if I'm going to allow him to be the master uh, that Matthew chapter 8 talks about, that you can only serve one master, if I'm going to be the, if I'm going to succumb to the master that he talks about, uh, then what am I going to do? What are those days going to do? Well, eventually, maybe I'll I'll do a Bible study. Eventually, maybe I'll go talk to my neighbor about... Uh, we had a neighbor several years ago. We've been in our house now for over 20 years, so it was before that. But we had a neighbor, and I was going to go over there and talk to the gentleman, and I was going to share with him uh, my faith, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And well, I, w- and I don't have time. Of course, I was working and da 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 da. And I got four children, and they're all in school. And I had to get in those stupid lines. It's, you know, we talked about that already. And there came a day when that gentleman passed away. He died. I missed the opportunity that was right next door. Right next door. Walking distance, even when it's 120 degrees. Walking distance. I missed that opportunity. Now that's not to say that someone else uh, didn't have opportunity to share with him and because I didn't even know his spiritual condition to begin with. Uh, maybe he could have helped, he could have guided me. Why didn't he come and talk to me? You know, we, now, now what are we doing? We're shifting blame, aren't we? What did I do? What do I do with the days that God has given me? Now, there's reasons for the lack of commitment. And the reasons start with, well, let's say, past hurt. How many people do you personally know that do not attend church regularly? Because, and when you ask them why, they say, well, I went to this church and they did something that ticked me off. And that's the way all churches are. And so I won't go to church anymore. It almost sounds like because someone did something to me, I'm going to do what? I'm going to punish God. I'm going to separate myself from God. I'm not going to 
to uh, submit myself to the discipline of the Lord Jesus Christ, attending regular services and so on and learning and teaching and doing all of the things that you need to do. Past hurts. I was estranged from my sister for over 15 years. Didn't speak a word to her. Oh, she spoke to me once in a while. Uh, but then she didn't speak to me either. So it was kind of a mutual thing. For 15 years. Finally, Shirley and I talked about it. And this can't be. How, how can you do that? And I could still remember vividly why I wasn't speaking to her. So it wasn't like I forgot, you know. But she had never come begging to her and asking for forgiveness for what she had done to bruise my poor soul. And it became necessary one day for me not to worry about that anymore. And family's family, and I love you anyway, Mary. And uh, are things as nice as they could possibly be? Be No. They aren't, but we talk now. She calls me. She, we don't. I don't like to talk on the phone. Telephones for me, and this is free. You can write this down if you want. Uh, telephones are not for visiting. Telephones are for business. It's for doing what you need to do. Telephone calls that last more than three or four minutes. Uh, well, anyway, that's kind of the way I am. And my sister knows that, and she'll say that in the middle of a conversation. She's talking to, I know you don't like to talk on the phone, and she keeps going. And I'm just, I know if I hang up, I mean, we could have another 15 years of silence. Maybe that's a, no, I don't want to say that's a good thing. Past hurts. Past hurts. Reasons for lack of commitment sometimes have to do with perfectionism. Well, I don't want to do this because I'm not sure if I can do it perfectly. And then, of course, we fall into, well, people will reject me. They'll think I'm a fool because I'm doing it wrong or I make a mistake or whatever it might be. And we've talked about that before. Perfectionism causes us a problem in regards to commitment because we are not perfect. We don't like anybody else to know that. If I can keep that secret, you know, but I get up this morning. The secret's out. There it is. Perfectionism. And of course, misplaced priorities create a problem for commitment as well. When we are committed ourselves, I've committed myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture that we read uh, in Luke chapter 9, uh, it talks very much about that idea of commitment. Let me go do this, this, and this before I follow you, Lord. Let me do this, this, and this before I follow you, Lord. Before I'll get around to it. Let me know where you'll be and I'll catch up. I mean, give me a break. Misplaced priorities. It's interesting. I didn't think this up myself. I read it somewhere. But the word busy, and we're talking about we're always busy, but what are we busy doing? What is... What is the busyness? And the busy being an acronym for the B stands for being, the U stands for under, the S stands for Satan, and the Y is yoke. Being, under, 
Satan's yoke. Anything that we're doing uh, <coughs> that separates us, separates us from our relationship to God, borders on or even becomes an opportunity for Satan to work in your life. And that's certainly something that we don't want to happen. We don't want that to happen, do we? And then, of course, there's the independent spirit. I am who I am. Accept me at face value. There it is. I'm not changing. I'm not going to change. Independent spirit. And yet God has called me to change. There's been a radical change in my life. I couldn't believe the radical change that there was in my life until someone many years ago, sitting in a, a, at a table, dining room table somewhere, someone that I had served with in Vietnam uh, looked across the table. We happened to be looking, we were sitting right across from one another and he pointed his finger at me and he said, I now understand the whosoever in John 3.16 because if he, meaning me, can be saved, no problem for anybody else. And I immediately realized that he saw some wickedness that I just couldn't possibly, it, it just, it couldn't be. It could not be. I'm, I've always been a pretty nice guy. Ask me, I'll tell you. If I could be saved, anybody can be saved. That's what he said. <sighs> Love that guy. Uh, anyway, independent spirit, independent spirit, commitment, commitment is a point of life, point of life. In fact, the scripture that we just read uh, continues into chapter 10 of Luke and chapter 10 verse 1 says this. After these things, the Lord appointed uh, <coughs> other 70 also and sent them two by two. By two uh, his face in every city and place wherever he himself would come. Forget these two guys that, that couldn't make up their mind. Hey, uh, we're going on a missionary trip. You coming? Guess what? The boat's leaving right now. Get on the boat or don't get on the boat. I mean, that's a good physical analogy, I think. I got these 70 guys and we're going. Now, let me talk about uh, a little bit about numbers because numbers are really not as important as you and I like to make them. Uh, <clears throat> but it is my life. I'll do what I want to do. There's that independent spirit. There it is. And because I have that independent spirit, I'll do what I want to do. I'm not going to commit myself to you. Now, I can't help but think in terms of, of military. I spent a lot of years in the military and that's a, that's what boot camp does. That boot camp takes that independent spirit that we all have, and it just it takes it like a fragile glass and drops it on the floor and shatters it. You will succumb yourself to the dictates of the United States Marine Corps, of the United States Army, or Nate, what you know, whatever it might be. You will no longer concern yourself with this, this, and the other thing. You'll concern yourself with saluting properly about 
you know, learning how to tie your shoes properly. Tie your tie. I can't tie any tie but a foreign hand. That's a foreign hand knot, and I don't even have, I don't even think about it. I can close my eyes and tie this knot. Foreign hand. Why? Because that's what I was taught to do, and for many, many years, that's the tie I wore. It's the foreign hand. I almost always step off when I'm standing in a, in a stationary place, and I'm going to step off. I always nearly step off with my left foot. Well, is that a big deal? No, but when you march, the first foot that moves when you march is your left foot. So there's that muscle memory. There it goes. I've got, they've got me. You know, I still wear the badge. You know, if you ask, you know, once a Marine, always Marine, that kind of thing. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. Many of the things, I don't think on a 12-hour clock. I think on a 24-hour clock. If you ask me what time it is, I will automatically think the military time and then have to translate the military time to you. I was leaving a movie many years ago, uh, and somebody from behind me as we were walking towards the parking lot from the movie uh, said, what time, it, what time is it? And I said, it's 2310. And he said, what? And I said, oh, excuse me, 1110 for you uneducated people, right? But I do that, and if I'm not careful, Shirley hates it. She hates the 24-hour clock. And if I say 1400 or 1500 or 2310, you can see it. The smoke comes out of her ears, all of that stuff. So I'm pretty careful, but every once in a while, uh, I forget to translate. But there you are. Commitment. Military does that. Military does that. And that's what God would have us to do, that we might be, we're not talking about stepping off with our left foot now. We're talking about living the life that he would have us to live. What would... What would Jesus do if he were here is a question we sometimes ask ourselves. And that's not a question that we need to ask because he's right there to guide us, to lead us. We say the Ten Commandments, I'm free of those. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under, the, I'm under grace, and that's true. But the Ten Commandments are merely a roadmap to life. If you keep the Ten Commandments, you got it made. Honor your father and your mother. Don't steal anything. Don't kill people. Uh, you know, the, the adultery thing, I'm not even going to talk about that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Don't lie. Don't think about lying. Don't think about stealing. You know, that's that coveting thing. And there we are. Now think about that. If we treat everyone with those guidelines in mind, <coughs> I wouldn't have had those 15 years of silence with my sister. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask for guidance. James chapter 1. I love that verse. James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all, give to all liberally and upbraids not, doesn't chastise, and it shall be given him. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. James, ask for guidance. 
Ask for the Lord. Ask the Lord, what do I do? You know, when we have a decision to make, what should I do, Lord? What can I do? And as we go to the Word, as we go to Him in prayer, into prayer, those paths will be open to us. And then you can compare uh, cost against benefit. Now, what's it going to cost me to follow what the Lord would have me to do? Well, it's going to cost me this, this, and this, and this. And I'm not talking about the check that you might write and put in the joy box in the back of the room. I'm, that's not the cost we're talking about. I'm talking about the, the cost to your life. You know, change in your life. I'm not, I'm no longer going to do this because I'm going to be doing this. I'm no longer going to be watching that third hour of, of news that I don't need to watch anyway. I'm actually going to go next door and see how my neighbor's doing. Share with them and see if they need a special dose of the Holy Spirit. And what's the benefit? Okay, there's the cause. But what's the benefit? The benefit has to do with eternal reward, doesn't it? It has to do with walking the walk that God would have us to walk. Trust God to keep his commitments. He does keep his commitments throughout Scripture over and over and over again. God promises and God delivers. That's what all those little stories are for. God went to Abraham. Here we're doing Bible study from this morning. God came to Abraham and says, Hey, I'm going to bless you and the family that you produce and things are going to be good. And Abraham and Sarah had no children. And no children. And no children. And so Abraham and Sarah decided to take it upon themselves to say, well, we'll do it a special way. And so uh, they picked up the handmaiden. And you know the story. When Sarah was 90 years old, guess what happened? She got pregnant. She delivered a child when she was 90 years old. And it's through that seed, through Isaac, that the promise is fulfilled. God keeps his promise. He's committed to you. He is committed to you. God loved you so much that he was willing, even while we were at sinners, he died for you. He loves you that much. That's the commitment they were talking about. And he is willing. Are we willing? Can we do that? Over and over and over again, one of the another one of the reasons why uh, we have problems with commitment is because well there aren't enough. There aren't enough people. Well, think about that. Think about how many times in Scripture that there's this monumental task to be performed and just a handful of people to perform it, and it gets performed. The battle is won. Overwhelming odds. And just, it's crazy. Overwhelming odds of people. Good guys against the bad guys. And the good guys win. Because God has a hand in it. Overwhelming odds. When we look at the world. We look at the world out there. And we are a minority. Right now we are what? We are being persecuted. We are being uh Christianity is becoming almost the most persecuted 
quote, religion, unquote, in the world today. But those who are committed carry that cross to its fruition. Think back again. Twelve disciples turned the world upside down. Paul and Barnabas and Silas basically evangelized the entire known world and planted the seeds for what? For the Christian church. Paul and Silas, and then, of course, followers that they picked up along the way. But they were always outnumbered. Paul went to prison. Paul got beaten. Paul got this. Paul got, and so on. Talk about being persecuted. That was Paul. And that's what happens. That's what happens. Now, we are going to now transfer our attention to what we do every month. And for some of us, it's just, oh yeah, we're going to do this today. But the scripture tells us that we do this in remembrance of him. We do this in remembrance of him. Now, what does that mean? See, I know everybody in this room a little bit, except for one person. And so I can do things and I can talk to them. I spoke to someone earlier today. I asked something about their family. How's, how's it going with your family, et cetera, et cetera. Because I, I know, I know that. I know that person well enough and I know something about that person to have that relationship. That's why we don't do this if we don't know who Jesus is. If I haven't accepted him as my personal savior, then this cracker or this matzah cracker uh, doesn't look like his broken body to me. Welch's grape juice. There's the brand. Okay, commercial is done. Welch's grape juice. I know what blood looks like in a vial. That ain't it. This is my blood, which is shed for you. This do in remembrance of me, the scripture says. Joe, would you come and help me? <clears throat> and so as we partake today, and I've already told you what this is about, as we partake today, I want you to think in terms of a commitment. Because you are in a... It, by extension, you are committing yourself to that remembrance. This do in remembrance of me. Not that you remember my name, but that you remember who I am. That you remember not only who I am, but what I've done for you. So this is like, this is that cost benefit thing again. I have done this for you. And this is a personal thing. This isn't you, many people, it is. But it's you personally, all by yourself. I did this for Martin Hubbler. I did this for Joe Manley. 
He's standing up here, so I'll pick on him. I did this. Stick your name in there. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I did this for you. That's what we're talking about. That's what this is about. It's not empty ritualism that we do every month. It says, do this in remembrance of me. So I've given you a physical symbol, Jesus says, in order that you can hang your hat on it and you will remember who I am, what I have done, who I have done it for, and here I am keeping promises again. I love you so much that I'm willing to go to the cross for you. And so we eat of the bread and we drink the cup in remembrance of him. And that's part of the commitment that we make to God. Let us eat. Let us drink. Not empty ritualism. But serious business. Commitment. Are you committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you show that commitment? That's where we are today. Are you afraid of commitment? Can God help you with that fear? I know He can. I say, you betcha. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this day for that that you are, what you are, who you are to us, the all-knowing one, the all-loving one, and you love me that much. We thank you now. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.